Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, good afternoon. It's good to see you all and to be able to spend this Mother's Day with you. Mother's Day is a uh, Mother's Day is a challenging day. It's challenging for a lot of people that have struggled in this area, that have struggled with uh, maybe the way in which their mothers raised them or struggled with the way in which maybe they raised their children. And so it's a difficult day for many people. Thank God that he is a God who, who makes us new, that we have this opportunity for new beginnings and an opportunity to make a change. And, uh, you know, again, it's not really a, a, you know, it's not a religious holiday, so to speak. So a lot of pastors, for these reasons, will skip over this. I'm not going to. I want to share with you a message that God's laid on my heart. The other reason is that uh, if you go to Luke chapter 4, where we're headed into, um, I didn't think that Jesus confronting demons was probably appropriate for today. <laughs> Some of you may disagree. <laughs> but I want to, I want to lay, I want to, minister to you something that God's laid on my heart. It's for everybody. It is, you know, it's something that God uses. How many of you know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? That God, that God has not changed, that he's the same. He hasn't changed his mind on things. God hasn't, you know, come about and, you know, God hasn't come of age and all of those things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the things that God wants to speak into our heart and the things that God is looking for in us, just because we've changed, God's like, oh, I haven't. And I want to share with you, again, there, there's an importance of moms. You know, the Bible talks about moms a lot. Amen, Pastor Mark. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of discussions and a lot of things that where God, he, he begins to minister to moms. Now, good, does that mean that it only relates to moms? No, absolutely not. But he uses this as a focal point for us as to how we can get the message of what God wants us to receive and how we can get it into our hearts. Because he definitely has a message. And as we found, as we were going through the, uh, the study in Luke chapter 4, how we were looking back at the prophets. It's just completely like rocked my world when it comes to the Old Testament study. How God begun to speak through Elisha, or Elijah. Jesus, he referenced that, and I preached on that for a week. And then how he referenced Elisha. And the miracles and the word of God and how God ministered through those prophets. And, and really, when, when we were talking about that, how through the prophets, God was speaking. These prophets were literally speaking the word of God. And it was written down, and here we have it. And so I've been going through uh, uh, all of these different stories. And if you look at them, you know, you've got all through 1 Kings, 2 Kings, these stories of all of these little instances of things that happen. And if you really take the time to stop and to break them down and to understand what it is that God's saying in this, it's just absolutely amazing. And this story, there was a number of stories. And, and again, it's incredible how many times... Elijah and Elisha, how many times they ministered to moms? How many times they raised the dead? How many times they supplied and met needs? How many times they, they did these amazing things? And so there was all these stories, and I was going back and forth with which ones, because I, I could literally, I could take a couple of weeks on each of these little stories. The, the Shunammite woman. I, I just an incredible story. I, I was going to do that until I, I just started to really press into the story I want to share with you today. And yes, I'm going to share with you from 2 Kings chapter 4. This is an incredible story, and I hope that you'll take to heart what it is that God wants to say. It may not be, it may not be culturally relevant. But I do promise that it will be biblically relevant. And we have to decide what we want to be. Because as I said, God hasn't changed. Even though we do, God hasn't changed. So again, I, again I, not, 
I don't, I'm not, listen, please. I'm not trying to, on Mother's Day, let me, let me bring a controversial message. Not at all. That's not, my, that's not my heart. That's not my desire. In fact, if you take this as controversial, you miss my point. This isn't, this isn't that. This is just biblically, this is what God is speaking to us. So let's just go through the scripture here, and then I'll, I'll share with you my thoughts on this, or the, what, I, what I, I found in study. In 2 Kings chapter 4, in uh, verses 1 through 7, this is the story. In verse 1, now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house. Well, except a jar of oil. And then he said, go outside Borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And she poured, uh, and she poured, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And she said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is a light unto our path. And I pray today, Lord, that you help me, Lord, uh, to rightly divide your word. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is as a, as a broken vessel to have you pour through me, Lord. And let this not be about the brokenness of this vessel, but, Lord, let it be about the purity and the perfection of your word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us as broken vessels, as ordinary vessels, to receive, Lord, the anointing that you pour out, that we might hear from you, Lord, that you might do in us and through us what we never could do on our own. Father, help us to receive the truth, what you have to say. And I thank you for that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. This story is a, a, it's an incredible story, an incredibly true story about this widow. But first, for a moment, put yourself in this widow's shoes. Put yourself in her life. What, your husband has just died. You're left with this large debt that you now are responsible to pay off. You don't need to just write it off in that day. It was responsible, the responsibility of the widow to pay that off. And to raise enough money now to pay off that debt, she's got to sell, sell stuff. She's got to sell her belongings. She's got to sell all the stuff that she has. The only thing, in fact, the only thing she has left is what would be, in her mind, not worthless, but a useless jar of oil. And so the only thing she's got in the house is this jar of oil, and still she does not have enough money to pay off the debt. And now the bill collectors are coming, and they're demanding that she either pay up or these two children are going to be sold into slavery, taken as slaves. So this woman, I, I can't imagine, can you imagine being able to grasp the idea of your two kids being taken away to pay your debt? I mean, it, honestly, and, and again, we don't, this is not the way in which things work today, so you know, we, we understand that. But in that day, that's what happened. If you couldn't pay your debt, they took your children. And she knew that. She knew that, her that the life of her children was what was owed in all of this. This was the only option she had left. And so she decides to take this to the man of God. She decides to take it to the prophet, Elisha, hoping that there was something that he could do. Some, is there some way that he could help? Is there something that we could find as help here? And then, and I want you to see this. Then Elisha asks her a question that will change her life forever. And I believe he asks her a question that should change our lives. And the question is this, what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? 
It's a question that really does transcend time. It's not something that was limited to them. It's just as relevant for us here today on Mother's Day as ever. And church, if we're gonna make an impact, if we're gonna save and see saved this next generation, our children, it begins with how we answer Elisha's question. What do you have in the house I want you to remember something. As you're reading through scripture, you'll see the miracles of God. You'll see God doing incredible things. You know, the miracles of God aren't always there just for the face value of what that miracle is. There's always a deeper place that God wants us to find in that miracle where he wants us to go. It's something that he wants, yes, in the miracle of it all, it's amazing. But there's always this deeper meaning in the text than what is is just on the face value. And so God does this miracle through the prophet Elisha. God, he, he, he takes this jar of oil, mama's oil, the last thing she has left, to, and she begins, he, he multiplies that. But the miracle is not just that the oil was multiplied. See, there's this deeper miracle. We need to see how this miracle was at work. This miracle was that this mom was able to to pay the debt and save her children. But also was able to provide for their future and able to be a blessing to the community that they lived in. And all of that, and I want you to remember this, The miracle was already in the house. It was already there. Listen, mama's oil was already in mama's house. And the miracle was represented by this little jar of oil. And the miracle began with this question. What do you have in the house? Elisha, he was well aware, she had told him, well aware that the creditors were threatening to sell her children into slavery so that the debt could be covered. So this question, he knew, that he, he knew there was something else in all of this. That question, if he knew all of that, why would he ask, what do you have in the house? It seems to me to be a loaded question. What do you mean? Because Elisha was aware of the process here. Just like the woman was, this woman came because she was a part of something that was going on culturally or in the, in the culture in which she lived. The creditors, when her husband died, the creditors came because they wanted the money that he owed. And they were demanding of the widow that she would pay it back. It was her responsibility. And that meant that she would have to take all the cash that she had, and if she didn't have enough cash, she would have to start selling off the things that she had in the house so that she could pay this back. So Elisha, when he finds out that this woman, that the creditors are already threatening to take the children, Elisha would have known that she's already sold everything that has any value. She's got nothing left. And he was very well aware that everything she had of value was gone. And Elisha, then this question, what does he mean by this? What do you have in the house? What do you have? I mean, he's asking this question. Because I don't know, you know, if it was something that the prophet knew from God or it was just something that he just became aware of in all of this. But he asked this question knowing, even though she didn't know, knowing that she had something of value that was left. He knew there was something else, but what was it? I mean, what could it have been? She's already sold everything off. She already sold the, you know, the PlayStation. <laughs> she got rid of the flat screen TV. She sold her jewelry. The car's gone. Everything has been sold. What could it be? What's left? Anybody ever felt like they were in a place where you were like, man, what is left? Especially, I mean, I've heard this in my wife just at the end of herself, what's left? But I believe there was something he was asking that was deeper. No, what do you have that you don't see the value of, but that you value more than your worldly possessions? What do you have that doesn't look like it's worth much, but to you, it's worth more than the things you have? What is it that you just can't bear to part with? 
That's what Elisha was asking about. He wanted to know what she had stashed away. No, what do you have hidden in the back of your closet? What do you have put away? What is it that you set apart? And you know what? She did have something. A jar of oil. This simple jar of oil. But if you read through the Hebrew, you'll find that that wasn't just any jar of oil. That was a special anointing jar of oil. It was the small jar that was set apart. So both the jar and the oil that were in it were very special and had very special meaning. The jar contained, it was an anointing oil. And the anointing oil was, in that day, to be used exclusively only to be used by a priest as part of worship. And to use the, uh, under the Old Testament, you ought to misuse the sacred oil was punishable by death. So this mom, this recent widow, had hidden this jar of holy anointing oil. So there wasn't anything else really she could do with it. But the only way that she could be in possession of a jar of oil, a, holy, a jar of holy sacred oil, was that her husband, the husband who served Elisha, it says, that he would have also been a priest. Because remember, in that culture, the, the widow, she would not have had personal access to anointing oil because only men could be the priests. So this jar of oil was in her house because her husband, who had just died, left it there. I want you to see this jar of oil. It represented so much more. It represents her husband's legacy. It probably was all she had left to remember him by. Everything else was gone. And all I've got left is this, this legacy. And I can't sell that. How do I sell this jar of oil? How do I, I can't sell it. First off, I can't sell it. But how do I treat it like a chair or a couch or a, you know, a, a possession of that sort? And the creditors, they weren't allowed to take it as part of the payment. So she stashes it away. It really doesn't have that kind of value, worldly value. It doesn't have that kind of value. And so she keeps it. It's the only thing she's got left. It's her keepsake. It's the reminder of her family legacy. And now here comes the prophet speaking the word of God, saying, what do you have in the house and she gets nervous about it. I can only imagine. I mean, what, why does he keep asking me this? Why is he asking me about this? What, what do I have in my house? And then in verse 2, she answers. She said, your servant has nothing in the house. Can't you see? She doesn't, know, she doesn't see the value of what she has. Your servant has nothing in the house. Nothing except a, a jar of oil. And the beauty of this is inside of what she saw as a worthless jar of oil, there was more than enough for her to save her children. There was more than enough to provide for her, to provide for her children. There was more than enough in that what she deemed to be this worthless little jar of oil. There was more than enough to provide for their future and to provide for the community around her. All of that was there. And let me tell you, church, what you need to save your children, what you need to provide for your children, what your children need, what they need to ensure their future, what your children, our children need, and the community around us, what it needs, it's in your house too. It's in your house too. And I can tell by the very weak amen that you don't know where it's at. We, we, we've, we've lost sight of it. It, it's like that sock that we can't match up. <laughs> it's in your house. And it's not, in, it's not in your jewelry. It's not in your bank account. It's not in the, all the expensive stuff that will soon turn to junk. It's in the jar. Church is in the jar of oil. And each and every one of you, as you're born again, there's a jar of oil in your house. 
There's a jar in each and every one. And that jar represents your legacy, the legacy that you have, the legacy as those who are born again, the legacy of hope, the legacy and the dreams and the aspirations of those who have gone before you. And if, we're, if you're born again, you have a legacy, a holy legacy, a royal legacy, a royal priesthood that has gone before you. And church, it's already in your house. Let me tell you, it's more than enough to save your children. But it'll just sit in the corner until you take hold of it. Until you embrace it. Until you begin to see not your value, but God's value on that jar that's already in the house. We must lay hold of the inheritance that has been left to us from our forefathers and our foremothers. We must lay hold of mama's oil. We must take it in our hand. We must understand the anointing and the legacy that God has poured out for you and I, that he has given us in little jars that may not look like much to you and may not look like much to the world that's around you, but in God, it has enough to make and meet the needs of your children, their future, and the community in which you live in. Look, let me ask you here, on Mother's Day, What do you have in the house? What do you have? Can you, listen, can you lay hold of your legacy? Do you know what it is? Have you defined that? Have you made that known? Do you know where it's at? Do you know what it is? Church, can you identify the jar the jar of oil, which is your inheritance. Because until then, listen, until you know that, until you can define that, understand that, take hold of it, you will never, I, I don't care who you are, you will never therefore then be able to take part in God's divine strategy for you. You have to take hold of it first. For this woman, the first thing she had to do was take hold of it. Then what was the divine strategy? Go out and borrow all the empty vessels you can. That's what God told her to do. Once she acknowledges the jar, okay, I've got a jar. Elisha says, okay, here's the divine strategy that will save your children, bless your home, revitalize the community. He says, go, in verse three, he says, go and borrow as many empty vessels as you can from your neighbors. Bring the vessels home and behind closed doors, fill each one with oil from your jar. Fill them up. He says, fill them all. Fill them to the brim. Church, do you see what God's telling her? He's telling her, take your legacy and pour it into the empty vessels behind closed doors in your home with your children. It's what he's telling her to do. But I I thought it was weird because, you know, that jar, the jar was a special container as well. It wasn't just the holy oil, but this was a special container, and it was specifically to be filled just with anointing oil. And, that was, and God's instruction to her through the prophet Elisha was to take this anointing oil, the legacy that was in her household, and to pour it out into ordinary vessels that she borrowed from her neighbors. And again, if you look in the Hebrew, you will find that that, that word vessels, that it very, very plainly declares in the Hebrew, it was to be poured into ordinary vessels, meaning whatever would hold oil. It didn't matter if it was a a bowl, a flask, a cup, anything they could get. And to be honest, this whole thing, man, it was kind of confusing. And again, I could spend a whole week just going through this. Why would God tell this mom to pour sacred, holy anointing oil into ordinary vessels? Again, I I won't go into this right now, but I am so thankful that God chose to pour out the very holy anointing of his son, Jesus Christ, into ordinary vessels. But why, why here? Why, and then why common vessels that he specifically said, go borrow from your neighbors? I mean, shouldn't, in that day, 
and again, this is the religious part that says, shouldn't the sacred oil be poured into sacred vessels? I'm going to come back to that. But first, I want you to see that this was God's plan, and God told her what to do. Church, we have got to learn to follow God's plan. We, we've got to realize that we gotta, it, it, we'll never follow God's strategy for our life if we're just continually questioning God's strategy for our life. If God's got to plan everything out and show us exactly what's going to happen, we'll never follow after God's divine strategy for us. And most of us, we're trying to get God to follow our strategy. We want God to follow after our human strategy while we ignore the divine strategy because God won't tell me what he means. I don't like what God's telling me to do. It doesn't make sense. My friends will make fun of me. What an embarrassment. I don't want to do it that way. God, I've got this plan over here, God. We spend our time trying to get God to line up with our strategy rather than just submitting ourselves and giving in and saying yes, Lord, to his strategy. But while we are continually fighting his strategy, we will never see his strategy in our life. Listen, God will reveal to you. He will reveal what he's doing when God wants to reveal that. Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't think he cares. I don't. Oh, you don't like it? Head west around the mountain again. Look, the bottom line is this. Do we want to save our kids or not? Do we want to save our kids or not? Because if we're going to save our kids, if we're going to save this next generation then we got to follow, we got to submit to God's divine strategy. Submit to what God is doing. And again, I love it because in this text, when we follow after God's plan, God does more than we could ever ask for. Come on, our God does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or ever think. That is our God. Think about this mom, all she wanted, I just want to pay the debt so I can save my kids. And God, as she submitted herself, as she followed God's divine uh, uh, strategy, and she obeyed God in all of this without question, not only did he pay the debt, not only did God provide so that the kids could be saved, but also he provided for their future, and he provided for the future of the culture in which they were living in, their community, their religious community. Church, Listen, you can't trust the planner if you don't trust the plan. You don't, you, again, you can't trust God and say, I don't trust his plan. I don't trust his word. You can't. You don't. If you love me, he says, obey me. He doesn't say make great sacrifices or get involved in, you know, this or drive the van or do that. He doesn't say any of that. He says, if you love me, obey me. You can't trust the planner and doubt the plan. God says this to you in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. That's what the Lord says. I know the plans I have for you. The creator of everything, the creator of heaven, the creator of earth, the creator of the stars. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Oh, but God, I don't think you know the plans for me. Because, and, and that's what we say when we say, God, I want my plan, not yours. You, you can't trust the planner and not the plan. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace. Why is it that we're out there searching for peace? We're searching for joy. We're searching for all the things that God says I will provide for you in places that will never be able to provide that for you. And we're neglecting the very place that God says I can give that to you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. Listen, trust the planner, and to trust the planner, you got to trust the plan. 
the purpose of the plan, that will unfold in God's timing. But church, you will never see God's plan unfold in your life. There can be no unfolding of God's plan if all we're doing is being busy questioning God. Just questioning him. Listen, we should be more busy doing what God said to do than we are questioning what he's told us to do. Come on, give me a better amen than that. God has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for your kids. He has a plan for your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. He has a plan. We can't say, I trust the planner and not trust that his ways are the plan that he has for that. Stop questioning and start obeying. God's plan will work out. It, listen, this is one thing you, we have to understand. God's plan has never not worked. The only time God's plan won't work is if we don't follow it. If you don't follow it. So let me remind you, what you need is in your house. It's already in the house. And God is expecting us to take what is in the house and do what he said to do with it. Even when, listen, even when we don't fully understand it. We trust that God has a purpose and that God has a plan. And sometimes it seems like that divine plan is divine madness. But God will work out his plan out of what seems to be divine madness in our life. And even to in a place of exceeding that. Because I want you to watch this. God intended for this mom. He intended to do this in this mom's life. But he also intended something she didn't even begin to imagine. He wanted her to share the holy legacy with the people that she borrowed these common ordinary vessels from. And the reason is because they needed it also. The community that she was in also needed it. In verse 4, he says, pour, the prophet says, pour the legacy out into common vessels. Now again, I, 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 we'll get to the why he said to do that, but I, I want to see the, this plan. You've got to stay with me on how this plan of the prophet unfolds here. First thing this little lady has, this mama has to do is put her hands on mama's oil. She's got to go and she's got to put her hand on the legacy that's in her house. And then once she's put the legacy in her hand, she then begins to have to follow the divine strategy that God has for her. And then before she's able to go out and sell that oil for the bigger than, greater than, more than enough blessings of God, this mom, I love this, because what this mom did was she took her kids inside, shut the door, and, and this isn't a promotion for anything, but I'm looking at that going, wow, that's one of the first homeschools. Because she did. She founded a school in her home. And in her home, she taught her kids. She taught her kids in private. She taught her kids behind locked doors. And she taught them about who they were, about their integrity, and about their character. She taught them about legacy. And she gave them responsibility in that home. Because what happened? They gathered all these empty vessels from all the neighbors at God's command. She went and got all these vessels. And then this mom takes her kids in and she begins pouring out this sacred legacy into these children. In verses three and four, the prophet said, then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all the neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. He said, go get a bunch of them. Go get as many as you think you can hold. And then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. And so what did she do? She left Elisha and she went and shut the door behind her and her children. She locks the door and she has her kids bringing vessels to her. And she just keeps pouring. Just see that. This mom, she brings her kids inside. And with these kids, she begins working the legacy working this place. Can't, just again, can't you see him in the kitchen? Just pouring out that oil. Just pouring out. I mean, these kids are coming. I don't know how old they are, but these kids are coming and they got a, one vessel at a time. They bring it to mom and mom's got this little bottle and they're just watching mom pour out and fill up those things. Mom, that oil doesn't, what's going on here? 
This mom's just pouring it out. Okay, son, go put that one aside. Next kid steps up and he's got a little cup. He fills up that little cup. What's going on here? And then he goes back and sets it aside and they just keep bringing these cups one at a time. They keep bringing these vessels. Can't you just see in the kitchen what's going on as they, she pours the sacred oil into that place where there's more than enough to fill it up, fill up each and every one. Didn't matter what kind of vessel they brought. Didn't matter what it was. I mean, if it was a five-gallon jug, she they, they filled it up. If it was a little cup, filled it up. Didn't matter. It just kept flowing. Amen. Can you imagine the conversation that was going on? Kids, I don't know what's going on, but look at how our God has providing for us. Look at what God is doing, kids. Can't you just see the hand of God in this? And she's talking to the kids about this legacy, about what this oil represents. Kids, I don't know where it's coming from, but this, this is being poured out. This little jar, it was your daddy's jar. This was your daddy's anointing oil. He carried it with him everywhere. He took it with him to work. He took it out of the, you know what? It was his, and he used to tell me about how it was his daddy's before that. And they used to take it, and your dad, it brought such comfort to him. When things were going bad at the temple, man, he always knew he had this anointing oil that he could look to, and it always brought him comfort. And it was always there, and every time he used it, it reminded him of the wonderful calling that was upon his life. It reminded him of who he was, that he was a priest, that God had set him apart, that God's plan was on his life. He was doing the work of God. He was doing what God had called him to do. And every single time she poured that out, she was reminding these kids about the legacy that they had. This little tiny jar, it was something that their dad and their dad's dad and probably their dad's dad before them used to remind them of who they were in the hand of God. It was their family's legacy and she used that time, I can guarantee you, to speak of the things of the past, to speak of the things of now, watch what's going on, and to speak of the things that would come in the future. I can imagine this mama using this time, the opportunity to teach her children, to encourage her children. Because it was the children, listen to this, it was the children who brought the vessels one at a time. It was the kids who brought this, and each and every time they brought it was this opportunity for her to impart into their life as she poured that oil. You know what that mama did? He taught the children to engage in their legacy at home. She made them responsible participants in the activity that would ultimately save them. They weren't just the reason for what she was doing. They were participating in something that she was doing. I hope you see the difference there. We need to create something in our homes, church. We need to create an atmosphere in our home that's bigger than the atmosphere that's outside of it. Amen. Do your kids find in your home a legacy that's bigger than them? Because our kids are looking for something that's bigger than them. And if you don't have a legacy, something you're providing that's bigger than your children in the home, then they will look for it outside of the home. And I want you to see these children participated in their own deliverance because mama taught them to be a part of the legacy. I can just hear the conversation in my mind with this woman having about all the hopes and all the dreams that were represented by this special little jar. This little jar that she did not see the value in. She said, I have nothing in my home except this little jar. It's amazing how God takes what in our eyes is sometimes deemed as worthless and creates the greatest value in our lives out of it. And she fills up all of these vessels with oil and teaching her children about their legacy, about who they are in Christ, talking to them about God, talking how God is the one who provides and meets our needs. God is the one who supplies abundantly in our life. God is the one who that promised to supply those needs. The God, and she spent the time teaching their kids who they were. You're the kid of a priest. 
You're the, your daddy's calling. Your daddy was a man of God, and God is he's using you and wants you to walk in those same ways. Maybe not to be a, the same thing, but that same legacy that they're a part of in our home. She talked to them. She taught them. She declared to them who they were in Christ. And their legacy is the same legacy that you and I have in Christ. If you're born again, your legacy is the same thing that this mama taught her children through mama's oil, that your legacy is a legacy of hope a legacy of faith, a legacy of trust in the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our legacy that we have got to take hold of. And this text, it doesn't tell us how many vessels they filled up, but I can just imagine that, that, well, at the end of it, she probably wished she had gotten more. But she followed his instructions. It says in verses five and six, it says basically, it said they, talking about the children, it says they, they kept bringing the vessels to her. And she just kept pouring. Right up until it was filled. And then the oil stopped flowing. I, I could, again, spend a whole week going through why did the oil stop flowing? I, I, again, I, I'm not going to go into all the different things, but I, I will tell you this. I believe the oil stopped flowing at that time. They had just the right amount of containers, and the oil stopped flowing at the time because that was the time where it was plenty. The children had plenty of time to become thoroughly familiar with their legacy. She had poured into them while she was pouring out the oil. And now the final stage of the plan of God that was here. And so she's got all this. God's about to answer the cry of this mom's heart, the desires of this mom's heart. She's about to be fully satisfied in all of these different ways. And all these vessels are full. The oil stops flowing. And the text says that now she goes out and she goes back to Elisha to get the final instructions. And in verse seven, he tells her this. He says, now I want you to go and I want you to sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your children can live on the rest. Come on, amen. amen. That is such good news. God provided in a powerful way. But let me tell you, that's not the end of the whole story. Let me ask you this. Where did the mother sell the oil? Who did she sell the oil to? Again, I think there's a couple things we have to realize here. One is those vessels were borrowed vessels. They were all borrowed and empty, right? So the only way she could have borrowed the vessels was that the vessels were already all empty. And she took all of these empty vessels, and now all the empty vessels, those same vessels, are filled with holy anointing oil. But I found this amazing when I was studying this. Culturally, in that day, priests and their families would all live in the same communities together. So priestly families would all live in a neighborhood. That was where the, this was the neighborhood where the priests lived. So who did she borrow the empty vessels from? Those neighbors. Who did she sell back? those full vessels to. To the priestly families who lived in the same neighborhood that she did. Look, the reason the mother was able to save her children was because she held on to. She continued to remain true and faithful to the legacy of the community. She stayed faithful to what God had given her. She didn't get rid of, she didn't give up on, she didn't empty it out even though many of the others in the community ignored their legacy. Please see, church, that this is the community of the religious that were ignoring their legacy for different reasons and purposes. For what they were pursuing, I don't know. Their vessels were empty. And the reason that everybody bought the anointing oil from her, from this mom, was because the group of priests in which her and her children lived, she was the only one who had any. The reason she had some was because she held on to it. It may not have had great value, but she still held on to it because it had to her great value. And in that, she made it a part of her household legacy. She refused to give it up. She refused to let it go. 
this legacy that she passed on to her children, this legacy that she shared with them behind closed doors, this legacy that she poured into these empty vessels. Mama had what her children needed. You know, it was there in the house a whole time. Mama had that, and not only did she have what the children needed, but church, listen, she also, in following God's plan and doing with what God had given her, she had enough for the community around her as well. A community that is in desperate need of the anointing oil. The community, our community, this community, needs mama's oil. And many have taken their eye off of where it is and what it is. But today, God's calling for mamas to take hold of that. Where's the oil? What are we willing to do? What are we willing to submit ourselves unto as far as God's divine strategy? Because I want you to know that everything your children need, everything that you need for your future, and everything that this community of believers needs, it's in your house. It's already there. God is the one who, who in this situation, this, listen, this is God did it. Just like God always does. Come on, amen. God did it like God always does. God takes these little insignificant things these little insignificant, you know, little bottles of oil. God takes these things, and when we follow God's instructions, God makes it more than enough. God takes it. God makes it. And God does and supplies more than enough. Because our God is a God who will exceedingly and abundantly supply all that we could ever ask or think, and even beyond God wants in your life and in the life of those that he's given unto you to raise up and to train up. God has given you everything you need to be able to be a blessing, not just in their future, but in the future of the church as well. Worship team, would you come on back up? The question, though, is will we hold on to the oil? Let me encourage you, especially today, moms, Hold on to the oil. Hold on to the oil because you need it. Hold on to the oil because your children need it. Hold on to the oil because your future needs it. Hold on to the oil because your church needs it. Hold on to the oil because your community needs it. Hold on, church, to the oil. Listen, whatever we do, we cannot give up on the presence of God, the holy legacy that has been poured out for you and for your family. We cannot give up. Listen, what do you have in your house? You gotta have some oil. In this modern age, our, in this culture that we live in, our values have changed. And I will say this, they haven't gotten better told you this before, I don't know how you can think that we're getting better. We're headed to the end. Might think that the road's gotten smoother in some areas, but how in the world do we think things are getting better? We're headed towards the days as in the days of Noah. We're, we're, set, we're setting ourselves up for divine judgment. We're, we're not getting better. We're digressing. We're becoming more like they were in the very beginning in the days of Noah. The days of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're digressing and God has given us a word. In this day, in this time, where's the oil? Where are those who will stand up and take hold of the godly legacy that we have, submitting ourselves unto the word of God without question and seeing God do what only God can do in the midst of a darkened time? We're looking for everything everywhere. We're looking for everything out there. We're looking for things out here, out there. We're looking for everything to be this, that, and the other. When God is saying, no, look inside. Listen, church, we need to, in this time, for the generation that's to come, we have got to create a legacy, a purpose, a plan inside of our own homes that's bigger than our children. 
so that our children can be a part of something that's bigger than them. Most kids are running off and going here, there, and everywhere because they don't find something in their home that's bigger than them. We need to create this legacy, take hold of what God has given us, and we need to begin to pour that oil out in a way that our kids can see. They're not just a byproduct of our life. They are a blessing. They are an impartation, and they need to take a responsibility for the legacy and the godliness for which is to come in their lives. Man, if our kids don't find something in our homes that's bigger than them, They will go out there and search and search and search for something that's bigger than them. And the problem is, is that they will never find it because the only place God designed for your children to find a bigger than them experience is in your home. Doesn't mean they don't move out. We look forward to that time. (laughs) Just kidding, Josh. No, but I mean, one day he's going to, he wants to go get on his own. I, I, again, that should be part of the progression of this. But I always want him to know that what he's a part of in our home is bigger than anything he's ever going to go out there so that he will always be drawn back to our home, to our family, to our purpose, to our plan, to our legacy. He will never cease, no matter where he goes, to not be a part of that. Because from the very beginning, he's been an integral part of all of that. I want us to take hold of Mama's oil. Church, everything we need, we got to stop looking out there. And we got to start looking in here. Because everything we need is in the house. This legacy of godliness, the very presence of God you don't think God was there every time she tipped that bottle every time she put that bottle over an empty ordinary vessel her kids were a part of something that was way bigger than they were come on God was in the house. Do you know what you have in the house? Listen, you know what? Church, you need to go home and find it. Because the whole thing begins with you laying hold of it. Oh, I know. Some of you are probably, well, my kids are older and they're gone. You know what? Those are excuses. Stop it. Right now is where God has you. And our God is able to do all things. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. That our God is able to pour out an anointing that will break the yokes of bondage. Listen, God has an anointing that will break the yoke of slavery. Those children in this story were headed to slavery. But God's anointing poured out and broke the yoke. And those children were set free. Not just for the moment, but for their future. And for the legacy that was to come. Because here we are today. We are still reading the story we're still a part of the legacy of those two boys because mama's oil was more than enough for everything that they needed, for everything that was required, for every debt that was to be paid. Mama's oil had more than enough in it to supply all of those needs. Church, that's such good news. Because if you're like me, we've blown it. I've messed up. I've left the oil in the corner for way too long. It was, a, it was just a, a, a religious artifact. But today's the day I'm going to lay hold of it and watch God do the miracles that my home requires, that we need, Lord, that I long for in my children because they're not going to find it out in the culture today. We're going to find it in the home, behind those locked doors as mama pours that oil, as daddy pours that oil, as we continue to release the absolute power of God. Let's pray. Lord, 
In the name of Jesus, I thank you for the grace that you have. I thank you, Lord, for the way in which you move in our hearts. I thank you today, Lord, that you have truly provided for us what we could never have found on our own. And today, Lord, help us to take hold of the oil, to take hold of the promise, to take hold of the legacy, to define, Lord God, in our children who we are in Christ, and to tell them, Lord, about the men of old, those who have gone before us, those who were building our spiritual life on top of, the God who supplied and met the needs of this woman here in first or Second Kings chapter 4, and all the way down through Scripture, we have family, we have brothers, sisters, forefathers, and foremothers that have paved the way for us, and are miracles in the happening, and we can look into it and see what God has provided for us in this time. See what God has done for them, kids. God will do it for us as well. Our God is a faithful God, and He's continuing to pour out this oil. Let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who your granddaddy was. Let me tell you who your great-granddaddy was. Let me tell you about who you are in Christ Jesus, your Lord. It's our mission to take and unlock the greatest treasure that we will have ever have on this earth. Our God is an amazing God. And He has done great things. Come on, has He not? We have reason to praise today. Come on, amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's raise up a holy voice. Let's give praises unto God. He inhabits the praises of His people. Let's sing with joy in our heart, thankfulness and grace He has provided for us today. Come on, let's worship our King. Come on, every voice. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. Clarence. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Thank you. 
happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. Thank you so much for coming and celebrating with us today. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.